keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome, everybody, to Wrestle Roasts. I am your host, Dan St. Germain. I'm here with Mike Lawrence, Robert Karpolis, Scott Chaplin, and our producer, Zach. If uh, you're new to the show, uh, we basically just break down wrestling every week. I'm a huge wrestling fan. Mike's a huge wrestling fan. Robert's a huge wrestling fan. Scott's a huge Everybody I've said on this podcast is a huge wrestling fan. We all like different things about wrestling. Uh, this is basically like, you know, like if one of your sweaty group threads became a podcast, folks. Uh, but we're glad you're here. And uh, every it's week- not an analogy if it just is what happened. <laughs> <laughs> also, also, Dan's intros are a great argument for scripted promos. <laughs> You know what? That's I'm a wrestling fan. Right. No, actually, Mike, you're fan. right. Let me do this again. Let me do this whole thing again. No, it's fine. This is no, good. This because, is awesome. Because we know that Conrad only listens to the first minute, and he's like, all right, you guys are safe. We're fine. And then as soon as he stops listening, that's when the good stuff comes out. <laughs> all right. Well, anyway. Um, you know what else is safe and fine? Blue Chew. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to send you a skylight photo of my dick. <laughs> We originally were going to call this podcast something to sports entertainment with, um, but we, we didn't pull the trigger on that. Uh, but yeah, we're not going to, we're not the podcast that's going to like bring you like the story of like what Briscoe and Kurt Henning did in Minneapolis in 1980. That sounds like the beginning of a 10 part true crime documentary, um, but lots yes. of cocaine. Yeah. And we're not going to give you breaking news. No, we're not going to give you breaking news. We're just going to uh, comment on some of the funny shit that happened this week, some of the more ridiculous shit in wrestling, and do a roast of a professional wrestler. This week, it's Bret Hart, folks. Uh, and we got to be coming up at the end of the show, right? What? Oh, well, it's going right, to be coming up do. later in the 10 count. Not not quite at the end. Uh, not quite at the beginning. Uh, we're going we're gonna to give it a sweet spot. But we're going to open with number one. No, no. We said... Uh, uh, you need to advertise the person we are interviewing later on in the show. Yeah, that was the, the, the I was oh, trying to do. The, can we just know. do this intro over again? No, you really? coward. No, <laughs> no, no. I want to do it. over again. <laughs> Guys, this is two things. Let me do it. Let me just fucking do it once. OK, two things. I fucked up. I can't do this. All right. Jesus. We'll do it live. <laughs> We're live, pal. All right. Hi, welcome everybody to Wrestle Rose. I'm here, your host, Dan St. Germain. I'm with Mike Lawrence. I'm with Robert Carpolis. I'm with Scott Chaplin. And I'm with our producer, Zach. Each week we break down uh the Events of the wrestling. Oh, fuck this. Let me do it again. I'm sorry. I, I've given up like three Zach, times. Zach, this, is all in. In. This, this is all staying in. This is the YouTube this is, clip. Yeah, right. This is better than wrestling in 2021, <laughs> yeah. Dan. We're keeping it. 
All right, later in the show, we've got... I'd like to see Bud Dwyer host a wrestling (laughs) podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Welcome to WrestleFest. This is great. Not only do we have the roast of Red Heart later in the show, we've got the creator of Dark Side of the Ring, Evan Husney. It's going to be a blast. Let's get to the 10 count. Oh, let's get to the 10 can, folks. As uh, number one, is this Shaq match going to be worse than Kazam? Now, to answer this, I am going to first bring on somebody who not only saw Kazam in the theaters, he owned Shaq Fu for N64, and that is Michael Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> I already have to correct you, Dan, in that it was I, I rented it on Super Nintendo, but then I bought it for Sega Genesis because it had five additional characters. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, I did see Kazam in the theaters. He does turn an evil uh, Persian man into a basketball at the end and slam dunks him down a garbage disposal, murdering him. Uh, <laughs> uh, I I do not think this match will be better than Kazam. Kazam was entertaining. It was so bad that it was fun. You this, think this you think bad. this you think you're gonna have more fun watching Kazam than this match? I would have more fun watching well, Kazam now than this match because at least there's a story. Let me tell you something. In this movie, Kazam. If you guys, it's not just Shaq who's in this movie. It's Shaq. It's the brat. It's the guy that Vito swept with in the Sopranos and then killed himself in real life. And one of the kids that was molested by Michael Jackson. I'm not joking. That's the all-star cast of this movie. It is, it is a real Beetle uh, waiting room of Beetlejuice. Yes, and they all have more interesting backstories than Red Velvet. What is your point? <laughs> it was also well, directed by the guy who played Starsky in Starsky and Hutch, which I didn't know until right now. <laughs> Is, Star- is he the same guy who was in Salem's Lot, or is that Hutch? I'm not fucking IMDb. I don't know. Look it up. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's just a Stephen <laughs> King world, the wrestling world. Maybe they overlap. Maybe the comedy world overlaps too, Robert. Kazam um, is part of the Stephen King universe. It's the Kazam. stand. It's, this yeah, is how the, the stand ends. He's in the third Dark Tower. He uh, yeah, he actually he, does he a rap Pennywise. song with Pennywise. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I was about to say, the reason that I think this match will be better than Kazam is... Uh, that this match has Cody Rhodes and he's a good wrestler at least like Kazam didn't have I mean they had the one lady from I think Sons of Anarchy that was in it but it really didn't have any good supporting players so that that's my argument for why I think the match will be better than Kazam yeah but okay so so Kazam sucked and it didn't work at the time and that was Shaq at his peak (laughs) yeah I mean, it, we're screwed. We're just screwed. This isn't this isn't a storyline. This isn't an issue. This is what happens when Shaq does things. When Shaq does things that isn't play basketball or, or be funny on ESPN, when he tries to act, he's not, he's when he tries to remove himself ESPN, from being himself, it eats absolute shit no matter what. Here's, here's what's important uh, to talk about this. And I guess... This way, we don't have to talk about this later when we're covering AEW, but they did a video package last night. Um, this feud, the first promo that Jade Cargill cut was November 11th. 
So this is almost four months in the fucking making. They did a video package with there's no story though. Yeah, long term, make- no storytelling. I've never heard of this. It's insane. <laughs> like one woman poured water on Shaq, but now there's like another woman that's like fighting against him and Jade. You never saw why him and Jade are friends. It's the the whole thing is a mess, but that boy just wanted a friend and a genie, and he got both. So Kazam was way better. Yeah, but I think Cody might get both too. <laughs> Robert, do you think I'm this going? Is gonna I'm be- going Kazam because I've never seen Kazam. I will never see Kazam, but I know I'm going to have to watch this fucking match. So by default, knowing that I don't just, have to watch Kazam is just better to than get this. you through the night. I'm going to love mean, this match. Like it, I, I know originally we talked about like what is this the most embarrassing thing Shaq's ever done? I've seen Shaq do the uh, the icy hot commercials, the general commercials. He endorsed Chris Christie in a video. He replaced Papa John. Like he's got a litany of really stupid decisions that he's made. This one, this one's more depressing than anything else because there were so many better opportunities for Shaq to wrestle in WCW when he showed up with Hogan in WWE with big show, like all these chances that they had before. And this is the match we're finally getting with Shaq. It's kind of, it's like the sting triple H match at WrestleMania. It's like, Hey, we're going to get sting in WWE, but this is what you're going to get. Hey, AEW would never give us a disappointing sting match. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Number Number two, speaking of AEW's getting it hard on this podcast, by the way. They're getting it real hard. It's because we watched the show. No, <laughs> it's a no, very good show. I enjoyed a, it. it yes, I, I, I love AEW, and I thought it was a good dynamite this week. You, we'll you, get can't, you can't see it, but Scott is dressed like the guy who made Marco Stunt's fake ID. <laughs> <laughs> number two, win Tony Khan's money. What do we think of Big Show signing at AEW? Who's the next AEW that Tony's going to sign? Is this <laughs> is this the worst signing they've had? Uh, <laughs> is this a bad sign? I think it had. I, I mean, I'll start. I think this is. I think this is the worst signing that they could have that they could have gotten. And and I, I I mean like I just don't understand. First off, like like he's one of those guys he has the undertaker's personality about new guys in the business but without undertaker's talent you know <laughs> like is he this true i don't like- I, I don't remember the the big show issue like what what does he do what do you mean well he i don't know the- he's mean is he mean to the guys no, every time no no he's not well he's apparently a bit of a i, I don't know but like when, whenever he's on like a, when, so whenever, he's he's on, when, when, whenever he's on like whenever he's on like like one of these podcasts one of these old timer podcasts it's all about like these new kids they don't they don't understand psychology they can't draw money and all and it's all this stuff it's like dude the only reason you do anything is because you're eight feet fucking tall yeah, it's because you're a goddamn freak yeah <laughs> you, gotta put, you gotta put in your time and win the world title on your first night like big show yeah, it's like they can't, they can't drive a, a monster truck against Hulk Hogan and throw him off a roof. I feel like we should just roast Big Show. Maybe we should do that next week. Oh, well, funny you should mention that, Robert. We're, we're roasting Big Show next week. That's right. Next week's the rest of the Big Show. Come for Bret Hart. 
Stay next week for the rest of Big Show. <laughs> stay, I just don't know how. Stay. How the hell did Big Show? <laughs> Sounds like Sunny. Come for Big. Come for Bret Hart. Stay for the Big Show. <laughs> uh, I just don't know. Like, how did this signing happen? Do you think like like Jericho's like like Tony? You can fit in the palm of his hand. Like I don't know. Like uh, Robert, what what are your feelings about the signing? As soon as I saw this signing come out, I wanted to gather you guys up and just record the podcast then because my wife didn't really want to keep hearing about like Paul White and AEW. She's like, cool, we have real like lives and jobs. Uh, Here's the thing. This is by far the dumbest signing AEW has done. And I want to clarify something at the top. I genuinely love the idea of AEW and want them to be successful. And when I'm critical of them and we break down the show, it's because these are things that are correctable. They can do better down the road. That being said, I have always criticized them for doing the worst things WCW did and the worst shit TNA did. And signing the big show is a nice combination of both of them. This <laughs> is a great way to show your roster. The guy that we care the most about is a 49-year-old, and we're signing him because we know it's going to piss Vince off. Vince isn't going to care. You don't need to poke the bear with Vince McMahon on this. You're signing big show to wrestle which is a terrible idea. You're signing him for commentary where all you're going to get is labored breathing for a very long time and that he's going to be an executive and creative. Big Show is not a creative talent. There was nothing Big Show did during his career that made you think this guy really understands the business and is going to come up with great ideas for other come people. Come on, he dresses Baby New Year. He, 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 cha- he turns heel and babyface over the course of a given night. Like he's, the, he's one of the worst like written characters split ever and if it wasn't for the fact that he was seven foot whatever and they paid him so much money and a a guaranteed money contract they would have cut him a long time ago big show hates doing tv the quote came out from a couple years ago when he talked about he's like i wish you know i like going to house shows and wrestling tv day is the worst day because you're there for 12 hours and some idiot who never wrestled before is giving you bad ideas that you have to go and do on television so how is working with big show robert Big Show was one of the, uh, there are very few people I will genuinely say are were true pricks to deal with. Every time I dealt with Big Show, he was a prick. And I get that he's big and it was uncomfortable and this, that and the other. But when I would come to him with creative ideas from Vince, it was hell. Getting him to go do pre-tapes was hell. We did a show at the ECW arena that he was on that they were like, hey, we just need you to say for 30 seconds where we are. And he's like, I'm not talking to this dickhead. And I had to go get wow. Paul Heyman like it's his dad to come over and be like, Paul, it's okay. Give him the 30 second quote that he needs so we can put this because it's going on, you know, national fucking television. And the whole idea of TV is to make you a bigger star. And when he doesn't understand the fundamental basics of television, not the greatest thing to be to be signing. Um, I, I think this is not the worst signing ever. The worst would be if they sign Jim Cornette because it's going to make them look like they're they're like appealing to the people who hate them the most. But this is a great symbol to the They're never going to sign Cornette. I know they won't, but you asked the worst one ever. They do, but it's kind of like Tony. I I feel like Tony's now collecting life-size version of action figures. Like if Mike Lawrence ran a wrestling company, it's like, I have to get Duke the Dumpster Jose because I have this Jax figure that he has to sign. Like what did you Tony, what did you say that AEW has just become Tony Khan's cameo? It's his cameo. This is like I want I want Big Show to come to my birthday party, so I'm gonna hire him. WWE <laughs> didn't re, WWE didn't re-sign him in January to the amount that he wanted. When he, he went there for Legends Night, there's this story that he was not happy with Randy Orton making fun of him or whatever. This came down to WWE didn't want to keep paying him for this. His Netflix show is gone. There's very little you can really do with him. 
but in AEW, they're going to treat him like he's the greatest thing ever. And they're going to realize a couple weeks in after he breaks all the furniture, he's not worth it. <laughs> and we're doing what they said about next. Clifford. And he saved yeah. the fucking day, dude. Yeah, oh, one, one last thing I want to point out, just because I love how big, because they, they think this is being petty. They moved into the alumni section, and I went to the WWE alumni section. Cody is listed there as Stardust, which oh, to me is my favorite thing that's, ever. That's 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 hilarious. Everybody that's else, like one, I don't know if people know that. That's crazy. Is, is that intentional? Oh, that's a hundred percent them being vindictive and intentional, uh, and and putting him there as uh, as Stardust. <laughs> and, and Robert's like, oh, and also he wasn't good as Captain Insano and Waterboy. He fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that it's I mean is this the Mike do you think this is the worst person they could sign besides like I guess signing David Benoit to win the title his first night and dedicate it to his father what if he's good though what if he's a good good wrestler Dan well, that's true he's good he's apparently a nice guy he could be a good wrestler who knows yeah um I would say <laughs> I back think... off that in a hurry hold on we don't want to offend <laughs> I think, Hall of read here, I think the bigger problem is why the fuck are they doing another YouTube show? <laughs> like you, you guys put like Isaiah Cassidy in a 14 minute match on your flagship show. Like you don't have, you don't need to- I like Isaiah Cassidy. Yeah. But that match shouldn't have happened for that long. He's a jobber. That's a lot it, of He's AW not a match. jobber. He's just a he's a younger guy. He's not a jobber. Dude. Yeah, but he should he's not, not a be, Peter Avalon. He should not be wrestling 14 minutes against an upper mid-card guy that you're trying to build in a pay-per-view match. Well, I mean, okay. We'll t- yeah. we'll talk about that later on. I disagree. But <laughs> but I just think that, yeah, like that part of it, yeah, him and commentary. It's also, you know, Robert, I think mentioned like the the Shaq and Big Show of it all. I think when we were talking about Shaq, like if you already had him like announcing him like this, like just have him show up in that match. That match is going to be fucking bullshit anyway. Have a big show cameo, at least do something goofy. Like, yeah, they but, absolutely like, should have had him come out, especially because Cody, you know, he got hurt last week or something. I mean, I guess that he's in a ladder match, but they could have played off of that and been like, I can't compete. And then the big show comes out and it's like, wow, you got that match that. No one really ever wanted to see, but WWE acted like was going to happen and they couldn't deliver. I just think that it's like, at least that'd be something. But when you do like a press announcement and this is the press announcement and it's, you know, they can't even call him big show. So expect Jericho to do it on commentary multiple times. (laughs) And yeah, that he's doing commentary is just something that he's never done. And it's like, it's also the last thing I'll say about it is I don't think it helps that he is bigger and more intimidating than their entire fucking roster. Like when your commentator is larger than all the guys wrestling, I don't think that's the best look. Yeah. I think you got to keep him in the chair. Only have, you know, stand him next to people who are supposed to look really tiny, but him like meeting Lance Archer backstage is not going to be the cool look you think it's going to be. No, I mean, you know, his, his, meeting fucking Brian Cage, it, impossible. Yeah, if you put tassels on his legs, you'll think they're the young bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, 
Dude, what if they, what if, what if you know, they use him? I, I guess they can't because he's a commentator, though. I was going to say, you know, sparingly, but. Well, they're going to use him. Apparently, he is wrestling. He is they wrestling. Said he, he's, he got his wrestling wrestle. license. Look, remember, he, he, he did main event WrestleMania last year. He was the secret yeah. match against McIntyre that they, they aired, aired on the, Raw next the next night on Raw. But, yeah. like, he wrestled Drew last year. The moment after he won the title. Yeah. There's no way they're not going to have him wrestle. But I think the problem is, is you put him in there with just about anyone and he's going to look towering over uh, a Lance Archer or any of these other quote unquote big guys that they have. And he's not going to, he's going to know that I can get in there and I can wrestle and I can make a lot of money for it. Him and Jericho are going to want to mix it up and do stuff. Um, He's going to be part of it. And this is what TNA did years ago because you sign guys like Foley and, and Booker T and you can't resist putting them in the ring because they're, theoretical stars and big show makes a lot of their roster not look like big stars yes and it was also yeah, it was funny when they were talking about like he got his wrestling license it's like all you have to do to get your wrestling license in aw is have a brother who is also a wrestler <laughs> it doesn't take that much <laughs> like <laughs> he got his wrestling license from the same guy who said okay matt hardy it's just one concussion you can keep going well, let's get to number three, and let's talk about the biggest star in wrestling. Speaking according of to according to that star in wrestling, and that is Bret Hart. Everybody, we're gonna do the roast of Bret Hart. Uh, we're gonna go at random. Zach, pick uh, pick your first host to do their first Bret Hart jokes. And right before I do that, I just wanted to shout out Adam Lamb for the suggestion on the Patreon. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Adam. Perfect suggestion. Oh, thank you, Adam. We, we all assumed it was Brett that picked this one. <laughs> I want to start with Scott. Damn, okay, here we go. Brett Hart, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Brett Hart is the Eeyore of pro wrestling. His days in Stampede have been called a more depressing Stampede than the one that killed Mufasa. <laughs> he was born July 2nd, a cancer and a crab. One of the greatest ever, and all thanks to his father. Because remember, he couldn't become the hit man without first being a hit boy. <laughs> You'll get it. He, he was beaten as a child by his father <laughs> and doesn't know it because he thinks it's under the idea of pro wrestling. It's insane. His father was like a child molester. Anyway, (laughs) Brett handed sunglasses to kids so they, too, could hide black eyes their father gave them. (laughs) (laughs) Shawn Michaels got sunny, so Brett chose cloudy. (laughs) HBK couldn't stay away from him because he had an addiction to downers. (laughs) Brett constantly pisses in his pants because he refuses to drop the belt. Yeah, I know. He's more concerned with uh wrestling wins than friends lost. <laughs> Brett Brett, you know he's married to a black woman. I didn't know didn't that. Know he that. Yeah, yeah, he's married to a black woman. Uh at dinner, you can hear stories about being held back, being mistreated, and blatantly being screwed by the system. Then Brett lets his wife speak. <laughs> 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 Uh, here's a quote from him he he said I was recognized as being an artist and a storyteller if Hulk Hogan was the Elvis of wrestling I was the Robert De Niro 
Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? No, Brett, no one's talking to you. You're just experiencing <laughs> side effects from the stroke. <laughs> oh my All right, God. that's my time. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, ending strong, Mr. Chaplin. Ending strong. Am I picking who's next? Yes, sir. Robert. Jesus, thanks for making me follow that. Uh, I will point out I am the only non-professional comedian here. So uh, when this when this goes south. Hey, uh, if, it, if it's in terms of you have to be paid to be a professional, there's two here, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Bret Hart is paranoid. He's insecure. And he thinks everyone in the business stole his ideas. All due respect to Goldberg, but Bret Hart is by far the most Jewish wrestler ever. <laughs> From an early age, Brett's father, Stu, taught him that if you, for, if at first you don't succeed, keep trying, which is why Stu had 11 children before getting one right. <laughs> Brett Hart is obsessed with being the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Better matches than Ric Flair, a better baby face than Hulk Hogan, and a more horrifically tragic family than the Von Erichs. <laughs> Brett Hart was in the documentary Wrestling with Shadows, which is also what he called his feud with Bad News Brown. Bret Hart was criticized for finishing people off with the same five moves of doom which is why he's been divorced so many times (laughs) Bret Hart is famous for relying on his five moves of doom while the tree he smashed into only needed one Jesus Christ Bret Hart suffered a career ending concussion a debilitating stroke and prostate cancer Proof that even Jesus was a Shawn Michaels fan. (laughs) Vince McMahon has screwed Bret Hart more times than he screwed Linda. And unlike with Linda, Vince was more than happy to film it. (laughs) All right, that's all I got. Thanks. Oh, man, Linda gets it bad every week. (laughs) All right, Dak. Oh, me? All right, here we go. Uh, roasted Bret Hart, folks. The only place Bret drew money was in Europe, which makes sense because, like the French, he thinks he's better than everyone, and like the Irish, he's an embarrassment to his family. Uh, the pink and black attack was the nickname of the Hart Foundation, not something Lars Sullivan warned us about on 4chan. Bret began training as a uh, wrestler at nine years old and already started giving back to the business by introducing Jerry Lawler to his wife. Jerry may be be the one guy Brett hasn't buried. It's amazing more wrestlers don't hate Brett, but I guess it's impossible to find out someone wrote shit about you if you can't read. (laughs) Brett Hart is... Brett Hart... Brett's hair is so greasy that Bruno San Martino thought it was his wife's pussy. (laughs) 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 They... (laughs) the greatest moment in wwe history was the double turn that happened at wrestlemania 13 with brett and austin not the triple turn at SummerSlam 92 which is when brett put davy on his stomach so he didn't choke on his own vomit oh my god brett brett could start brett could totally start wrestling again if he wanted it's just like getting on a bike oh wait After uh, Brett, after Brett stroke, otherwise known as the day his work rate caught up to his promos, his personality got so much shittier that when he came back to WWE, everyone backstage mistook him for Robert Carpolis. <laughs> it was 
It was uh, depressing when he got tackled at the Hall of Fame. The last time I've seen the wheels fall off that fast during a promo from someone in the Hart family was when Dynamite Kid tried to give a speech at his daughter's wedding. <laughs> uh, Brett, Brett was considered the renaissance man of the family, but have you seen his brothers? Keith Hart looks like Aaron Rodgers' raped master splinter. <laughs> the, the Hart family kept a bear as a pet, but had to put it down after it attacked Brett when he was on his period. <laughs> Brett, Brett could never get Stu's shoulder. Oh, my dogs are attacking each other. God damn it! Why don't my closer? My dogs start attacking each other during my closer. All right. Dan's life is like the only thing comparable to the the sadness of Brett Hart's life. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's my closer. Uh, Brett, Brett, Brett could never get Stu's shoulders to the mat. Not because Brett wasn't tough. We're just not sure Stu ever had shoulders. Have you seen the guy? He looks like the beanbag chair Kamala died on. The heart dungeon was no joke, though. I mean, nowadays, if you're a wrestler stretched into a pretzel, you're either doing DDP yoga or an anniversary present for Jim Cornette's wife. That's it for me, <laughs> folks. Have a good one. Yes! Oh, man. Um, it's an honor to be the second Jew in history to take Bret Hart down for good. Uh, we picked Bret Hart to roast this week because we thought it would be fun. Normally, the only reason to uh, make Bret Hart the focus of a show is because there's a steroid trial and all your top draws have to lay low. Uh, it's Bret Hart, the originator of the phrase, it's still real to me, damn it. The only guy who can make losing a fixed wrestling match the saddest episode of a show called Dark Side of the Ring. <laughs> Brett needs to lighten up. Real athletes view wrestling with the slam low opinion that real French people view Montreal. Uh, he constantly shits on Triple H and his wrestling ability, but really he's just jealous that he never got to screw a McMahon. Uh, yes, I do believe that Brett has screwed Brett usually in front of a mirror, and I'm pretty sure it's the only way he can come. <laughs> he has damaged his own legacy. Brett had the ability to make any wrestler look good for years and then gave that up when he was offered 100 bucks and a cheeseburger from Kayfabe Commentaries. <laughs> <laughs> Brett Hart is the only member of the Hart Foundation left because they've been dying in order of self-importance. <laughs> i loved his catchphrase the best there is the best there was the best there ever will be until i realized that is his entire personality <laughs> yes brett does view his career with rose tinted glasses but at least he's nice enough to hand them to some sick kid in the front row <laughs> brett has the kind of personality you expect from someone whose happiest childhood memories were rolling around the floor with his dad in a dungeon Thankfully, he's still obsessed with his own Bam Bam Bigelow matches to realize he was molested. <laughs> <laughs> Brett had a stroke, but it was nothing compared to the stroke Hogan had backstage at WrestleMania 9. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Hart successfully won his battle against cancer. Well, actually, cancer just gave up because they couldn't agree on a finish that made both of them look strong. <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, that was awesome. That was that was it. 
Well, folks, that was the rest roast of Bret Hart. Um, we will be here next week roasting uh, Big Show and West Bret Hart has somehow got us canceled because he's friends with, like, I don't know, the head of SoundCloud. I'm not, I'm not sure. Nobody sent Bret an audio cassette tape of this to put into his Walkman. <laughs> There's never been a right time to say goodbye, which is why his family stopped talking to him. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! I will say Brett's one of my favorite in-ring wrestlers ever. The guy can really, really uh, pull off a, a sharpshooter. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, he's the best. Yeah, he's he's, right. He really, I mean, he is. He's one, of, he's one of the best wrestlers ever. He's just—I mean, one of the best Wikipedia pages ever. <laughs> uh, also, man, I don't know if you guys had this, but I, I, I stumbled upon the uh, the shoot the shoots of Bret Hart all week. And he's really one of the few people in my life I've seen who, who like doesn't have a filter. Like comics say they don't have a filter, but he just, whatever name you put in front of him, he just tears up immediately. It's like they're immediately in the gears of a cotton gin or something. Yeah, like every everyone he wrestled was a fucking clown except Doink, who was a real gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> He's the only wrestler in a shoot interview who has nothing but complimentary things to say about Lawler. Because <laughs> it's all about how Lawler made him look as a baby face. He's oh, that's like, all know. that matters to Brett. It's all, yeah, the the what's going on in the ring. It, 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 the outside, it does not matter. Like what a person did in their life. It's just how did you perform with me? In the ring, <laughs> madness. Oh, I remember, right. like, I think the most if you want to see Brett at the most like version of the guy we made fun of today, what was what was that documentary, Dan, with all the old wrestlers where they talked about their days on the road? Oh, that's uh, it's uh, 300 and 300 something days, yeah, something days, 300 and I'll have to look it up, but. But dude, it's so funny. At the end, they all taught like all the different wrestlers are talking about how like because the whole movie is like road stories and the sacrifices they made, and they talk about not seeing their families. And they're like, there's like a little person wrestler who's like, look at me, and I got to travel the world with wrestling. And they're all like telling these happy, hopeful stories. And then Brett's like, you know, I was really good. <laughs> he just can't like, <laughs> be a person. <laughs> No, uh, Brett's look. Brett is Brett is also a gentleman outside of the ring. I, I heard that from Brett. Number four, folks. Let's get back into the ten counts. Number four. As I pulled this up, creative is nothing for you. Let's check in with Mister Carpus. If, if you guys are new to our show, Robert was a writer at WWE in the years two thousand five, two thousand six. And uh, every once in a while, we check in with him and uh, hear, hear some of the stories. Robert, what do you got for us this week? So I feel like we've buried Brett hard enough. So I'm going to I'm going to scoop some more dirt on him. Um, when I was uh, the documentary is 350 days. Oh, 350 days of the doc. It's a great it's a really fun rental on Amazon. I don't know who directed it, but I mean, it's like it's not the sleekest looking movie in the world, but there's a really there's a lot of fun stories on it. It was directed by Hutch from Starsky and Hutch. Oh, keep that guy! That guy gets around. <laughs> so, um, look, I'm I, I I'm a I was a huge Bret Hart fan growing up. Um, in that I remember watching his SummerSlam '91 match against Mr. Perfect, and that was when I realized that wrestling was truly an art form, and it was beyond just "Hey, Hulk Hogan's my hero," and and it's like Superman, but real life. Uh, so I always 
had a, a special place in my heart for Brett and Brett reunited with the WWE while I was there, which is something I never thought would happen. And it was a huge legitimate mark out moment for me when I saw that picture of Brett and Vince in the studio. And I'm like, that's like down the, the hallway from me. I can't believe that's happening. This is awesome. Brett was there because he was, uh, he was doing the DVD with the WWE and he was pulled, they were pulling footage and they asked, Hey, is somebody able to, to come by and help with uh, some of the producers, just if they want to, you know, grab lunch for the guys, or whatever. I'm like, fuck it. I'm never going to get a chance to meet Brett Hart again. I'm going to take this opportunity to, to get to meet Brett uh, while trying to hide being the, the huge wrestling fan I was while I was there. So I, you know, I met Brett seemed like a, a perfectly nice guy. He was kind of telling stories and, and it was cool because he had a captive audience and uh, he was, he was kind of feeling safe. And he, at first he tells this really interesting story about when, uh, working in Stampede for his dad about how cheap Stu was, that they would only have enough money to film the last five minutes of every match. So they would have the camera out there the entire time and there would be a signal. So he's like, yeah, I know I'm wrestling, uh, you know, the Mongolian Stomper. We're having a, a nice match. Uh, about 17 minutes in, they, they give a little signal and he just starts beating the hell out of me because it has to look good on TV. I'm like, that's a pretty cool, interesting story. I'm like, this is, this is what I hoped it was going to be meeting Bret Hart. And then it came time for lunch. And I'm like, all right, guys, I'm going to call in the uh, the order. We're getting from this little place down the road, this uh, this little deli. And he's like, oh, okay, it's a deli. Uh, give me a pastrami sandwich. I'm like, it's not that kind of deli bread. It's uh, it's a little Italian joint. They make like six different things. Like, like no, no, I'm sure that, I'm sure they have pastrami. And I'm like, I'm telling you, like they that like trust the fat guy who works here. They don't have pastrami. He's like, well, just call and see. So I take everybody else's order. I call, I asked, you guys have pastrami? They're like, no. Brett gives me a look like I'm like the worst person on the planet. And he's like, fine, just get me a ham sandwich. And we're sitting there the entire time during lunch and he's just staring daggers at me. And I'm like, this guy has been screwed by so many people in the WWE that he thought I was going to intentionally lie to him about whether or not a restaurant has a pastrami sandwich. <laughs> he thought he thought you were lying to him about He thought pastrami. I was like lying to him. Like I'm trying to deprive him. You, he was literally looking at you the whole time. I mean, he may have been looking at the sandwich, but yeah, uh, yeah. at certain point, but every time he looked at like, but it was the only reason I knew is because I was with him before the pastrami sandwich incident and after. And now every time I watch a Bret Hart match or see anything, all I think about is this guy who's bitter and angry that I was trying to deprive him of pastrami. And I'm like, how bitter like, must he be to his core that this is just how he is with everybody. <laughs> and then every story subsequent over the last 15 years since then, all aligns with pastrami Bret Hart and not guy that I enjoyed watching uh, wrestle Bret Hart. Uh, and, and that was just one of those, like, you know, when you meet your heroes, make sure you know what salted meat he likes or else you're going to get it. <laughs> All right. Best there is, best there was, best there ever will be. Thank you, Bret. Number five, NXT versus WWE versus a night with your family. Folks, we compare next NXT to WWE, and then we pick a third thing this week: the loving embrace of the people who love you uh, versus uh, the other two nights of professional wrestling. I'm going to start out with Dynamite, and uh, you guys just interrupt me. Sounds good? Oh yeah. yeah. All right, great. We start out with John Moxley versus Ryan Nemeth. Not a lot to say about this match because it was real quick. Uh, John Moxley wins the paradigm shift. And then Moxley grabs a mic and cuts an awesome promo about the upcoming exploding barbed wire death match, 
was I alone? What did you guys think of this promo? It's awesome. It was, it was great. Uh, I thought the match was, you know, quick, which it needed to be. Could have been quicker, obviously, uh, mm. but I'm okay with it. And yeah, promo ruled for me. I loved it. I loved it. What do you guys think of it? Yeah, more of this. Like this is this is like this is peak AEW. This is how you have a two-hour show where you build your pay-per-view. You know, this whole thing was eight minutes. He beats a guy, so you're excited to see him wrestle, and he does it quickly, and then he does a promo about the match that he's gonna do. It's so simple when they get it right. Um, and this was everything right about wrestling and this company. Yeah, this was this was this gave me hope in watching this. I got nervous because they first let Nemeth have that little insert promo, which sounded like from the old WCW Nitro video game when you like mouse over them and they just say something for 20 seconds. He's just like, I'm going to get the star and roll in this movie. It's like, what? This is going to be brutal. Match was short, inoffensive. It was fine. Moxley's promo was good. What was strange was after he tells this really compelling promo, they then go straight to a video package that felt kind of redundant where they're retelling the Moxley Omega uh, story, which under any other circumstances, fine, except Moxley just sold me on this match with the heart and soul he gave in that promo. It felt a little overkill. I, I thought it was okay because it's their, it's their main event. And the fact that like, They've done a lot of long-term storytelling that isn't good, but the fact that they're like, this started in May 2019, and there is a through line, and I, I thought it I thought it worked. Next up, uh, Papa Buck and Mama Buck are backstage taking pictures in front of an AEW trailer, a little foreshadowing for later on. The Varsity Blondes versus Team Taz, uh, and then Sting came back, proved he wasn't dead, and uh, did a stinger splash, bounced around, looked pretty good. I'm excited. Maybe, maybe I'm a, maybe I'm a mark here. But I was, I was really excited watching him jump around that ring. Am I, am I just being two glasses half full? Yes. Well, no, it worked though. It did work in, in that moment. I mean, whatever happens next week or 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 at the pay per view or whatever. This moment worked. He came off quick, quicker than I've seen him. The last two weeks have, have resold me on the feud. Like I was kind of bored by it because they were literally doing the same segment like three or four weeks in a row. But you know, the power bomb and from Cage and then this. I think we would be like super excited about this match if they had just waited for Sting's return uh, for the new year. You know, if they had just done that, we would be at the edge of our seats. Brandon Cutler versus Jake Hager. Look, I, wanted, guys. I wanted to say something about this. Yeah. I think that, like, you know, a big mistake that I think they made is the whole point is can does still Sting have it? Like, can he go? So having him do like the 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 splash and the the scorpion death drop, I thought didn't I, I didn't think it was a smart idea because it's just you should have to pay to see that on the pay-per-view. And also, this is where I think their their indie riffic booking gets in the way because it's like, yeah, Moxley beating Nemeth in three minutes was great and helped him. These guys needed a short win. Cage and Starks, the varsity blondes are barely ever on. They don't really have characters. Oh, I like they, them. You got to give them a little offense. I'm though. not. I mean, I'm not. Um, because they're, <laughs> it was a nine-minute match. If these guys have to struggle nine minutes to take these dudes down. Hillman Jr., wrestling royalty. Dude, that drop kick was sick, right, to the outside? 
Yeah, man. But, but Griff Garrison, like, getting a hot tag and hit. Kid's got a great head of hair. Down. Yeah. Very it's just, tall. not protecting your heels. Yeah, and then, and then Sting, <laughs> Sting takes out Cage. Not only does Cage get, like, beat up, he's out cold. Why do I think they will have any type of upper hand in this feud? I thought it was really bad booking. You're just jealous that it's Varsity, It's Mike. funny because that's pretty much everything I had written. I mean, I liked the match. The match was at least competitive. Varsity Blondes looked okay. It could have been shorter, but whatever. Um, the 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 pre-shot video of like Sting unzipping the body bag and pulling out Darby was shot well, but again, made me think like they hired a video crew to go film this versus a genuine moment. I like that Sting kidnapped Hook. And that Taz, who's right there on commentary, doesn't go over to save his son, but is continuing to commentate on what's happening rather than rescue his son. But yeah, they gave Sting everything you want to see. I heard Tony Schiavone scream, Scorpion Death Drop. I don't need to pay the 40, 50, 60 bucks that, that uh, oh, this pay-per-view is. Dicks. It's going to be fun. It's going to be, be awesome. fun, but I've seen it. Like, what, Dude, what are you going to give me that Sting's no, not? No, I mean, they, they needed to show people because, because people had doubts. And people thought maybe he can't go, so I'm not gonna buy the pay per view. And they said, "Oh no, baby, he can go." Who was yeah, buying this just a, for Sting? You were already getting people Omega that would Moxley. buy it just for Sting. But if the people, yeah, man, people that would buy it just for Sting, then they're gonna buy oh, it regardless weird. of how terrible he may or may not be. You didn't need to prove to me that Sting's not broken down and uh, going to embarrass. I, I feel like you and Mike just want to ruin Christmas. That's what I feel like this is about. <laughs> and, that, we, and that back Veronica, that's why. <laughs> and Darby's. Uh, Darby's face paint is a little like Sting now. Did you see that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Power is fusing, boys. Let's go. Let's do this. <laughs> and he, None they of this do really, no. he, they he was did like have... the first wrestler to come down from the rafters in years. Like, you know, Darby's doing that because he knows the history of that spot. <laughs> oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Enough of these minor yeah, league guys. Right. Let's talk about Brandon Cutler. Yeah. Well, wait, <laughs> wait. The thing, about, the thing I don't like about Darby doing it is he's so tiny. It's very Peter Pan. Like when, when he swings by, it's like one swat him. Yeah. <laughs> he just keeps going. I loved all of it. I mean, the last thing I'll say about Sting is if he is going to do these moves before the pay-per-view, don't have them do, don't have him do them on the big heavy in the match. Like if he does them on hook or Hobbs or somebody, but it's like, what, why do I need to watch this now? I already saw him destroy this guy and he didn't even get up and leave the ring. He was out cold. Well, guys, I plan on buying AEW Revolution. Yeah, dude, it's a street uh, fight. It's a street fight, right? And unlike Meltzer and Alvarez, I am not getting paid to say this. Uh, <laughs> next up, Jake Hager versus Brandon Cutler. Uh, I will say this. Look, I, I, I know I've shit on uh, Jake Cutler on the show before. He sold great. Jake like, Cutler? I'm not sorry. I'm Brandon Former Cutler. quarterback, Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler. The, yes, you're, I, I get that. I, I, I get Jay Cutler and Brandon Cutler confused, which uh, Jay Cutler would be horrified to hear that. But um, I, I, I thought he sold really well. I mean, I thought he sold great. Um, and that's what he was supposed to do, right? Yeah, man, he sold well. His offense made sense. And he looks good. I mean, not his face, but his muscles, you go, wow. Right? He guys? has the most elaborate entrance <laughs> that I've seen in AEW for not QT Marshall. Well, like, I saw this guy come out and I'm like, how did he not? How did he avoid being stuck in the dark order in the first place? Because everything about him screams dark order. This was a great, I mean, Jake Hager looked impressive and that's what you need to do. He basically just murdered this guy, which was what you need and should have been. But this was like the third 
you knew exactly who was going to win quasi squash match in a row, which isn't bad, but it was it was just he's, to set like, up, you the know, promo. he's the Bucks best friend in terms of uh, based on I mean, what? I guess like, like reality. I mean, you know, he he's like they're the guy who follows them around and then show us films everything. It, for it hasn't been on television. It's like, you know, well, I, yeah, but it's 2021. I mean, everything is everything. You watch the YouTube and then you watch Disney Plus to watch uh, fucking uh, witch lady and robot guy. And then you go see the movie and you like. You like the reference and everything is everything, man. Hop on board. Be a fucking wrestling fan in 2021. Yeah, but the thing, but the go thing watch is- some old tapes, motherfuckers. Right, Dan? Come on. Let's do this. Yeah, Bar that? City Blondes. Give me Ricky <laughs> Starks on the mic for 20 minutes. But the thing is, Griff, here, here's, here's the fucking problem. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something, Sonny. <laughs> Is that is that okay? AEW itself, its flagship show, gets at most eight hundred thousand people a week. Then Dark gets like a hundred thousand. Being the Elite gets a hundred thousand. So your majority of your people who have lives, who are doing other shit, don't watch this fucking stuff. And you gotta have a program that appeals to them as well. But I think the truth is, and I love AEW, but the amount of viewers they have, while it's impressive to us in a sense that we go, oh, they got 800 something thousand and NXT only got 700. It's like, those are not good numbers, period. Nobody's really watching this, man. And when you got nothing, you got nothing to lose. Who said that, Bob Dylan or somebody? Anyway, You're having a whole conversation with yourself right there, Scott. Because <laughs> they, they should podcast. be taking these risks. That's why people go like, well, what the hell is this impact guys, thing? Guys, What's we got to get to this Isaiah Cassidy match. Isaiah Cassidy Coward. versus Hangman That's what Man someone Page. backstage said. Guys, we got to get to this Isaiah Cassidy match. <laughs> <laughs> Isaiah, Isaiah Cassidy versus uh, Hang. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, uh, wait, I, I, there's something before that. Because the, after the match, because this is the second week in a row this happened where they forget that they've scripted the TV show, but we don't realize that it's it's not a TV show. Uh, the Bucks come out to, to make the save on Brandon Cutler, and then they call out Jericho and MJF, who are already in the back beating up their dad, as if Jericho and MJF knew, oh, the Bucks are going to come out to save uh, from the attack, and then they're going to call us well, out, so we better already, already be ready to Bucks beat defense, He was already beaten up by the time. So they just did it anyway. We're just waiting there with a camera guy for an yeah, hour it's and part, a half. It's, it's it's part of the plan. Jump him after you beat after you beat him, and then we're going to beat up his dad. And obviously they'll run out because they're friends. This makes sense. Is it guys. is it is it just me or does Papa Buck look like a thinner Steven Seagal? <laughs> Steven Seagal would love to hear that. <laughs> Pretty sure it's Robert Gibson. <laughs> I mean, but he look- just looks like he like he looks like the typical Trump hippie. You know what I mean? It's like, man, I love weed and I love government out of my fucking business. <laughs> I mean, he's definitely he's definitely more a Robert Gibson than a Ricky Morton because he's there for his children. <laughs> oh, he looks like the reason why the Bucks are so conscious about how much money they make all the time and it needs to be in cash because that could not have been an easy childhood. <laughs> but I thought I did think the smearing of the blood on the picture was was really. Was yeah, that was really cool. cool. I didn't, man, and I wish I did. I I wish I liked this. Well, one. I mean, I thought the blood looked super fake, but I thought the image was cool. The blood looked super fake, and yeah, the image in theory is cool, but the execution was bad. And uh, I mean, also you have them like you know, 
gently jogging to the back. And it's not because they don't want to find their father, but it's because the type of shoes they wear, like they wear them kind of loose. Like when, when, dude, when, 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 when he fucking chased after the car and you realize he had to slow down a little because his shoes weren't catching up with him. That was bonkers. Now no one's the old man. These it damn kids happen. these days don't wear shoes properly no, no, the way they used well, to. No, we're you the same a- age. He just has to fucking don't wear those shoes when you when you're supposed to chase a car. You give me a pair of Keds and I would have saved him. <laughs> yeah. But also, don't don't do tight, an angle bro. where someone's son gets beat up in one segment and then someone's dad gets beat up in the next. Like they really do need to talk to each other. <laughs> yeah, but listen. Also, we're shitting on, on the Bucks about this. I promise you, this was Jericho's idea. This is what he does. Um, the feud does not call for this. This is like a very simple feud. You could yeah. do other things with it. It's not a blood feud. No one is going to buy the pay-per-view now because you beat up this fucking guy. It's not. Yeah, happening. It, is, it is. It is. I did think of that because when edge beat up John Cena's dad, remember that in that like crazy video um, mm-hmm. where John Cena's dad is like overacting. Um, the moment it, it like didn't happen until August. They had had their first match in January. So it was like, it was like something they used to build the like an already a, a, a feud that was already a blood feud, and also like we we have uh, the Bucks dad who's hurt in this segment. Uh, the segment before that is Taz's son, and then right after that, uh, they also uh, another member of like the Dark Order is sacrificed, right? Like and, and oh, yeah, he's Matt like Hardy thrown off him off the he's thrown thing. Off a, it's, oh, it's almost like this. It's like the similar beat three segments in a row. I, I don't understand. Um, why they needed that. The match itself, Isaiah Kennedy versus um, versus Hangman Page was good, but I, I get they're all trying to get heat for their match, but have it on different fucking weeks, guys. They, this is what I what I realized. Like, AEW, does not, they don't need writers, but they do need readers. They need somebody to read the breakdown of the show that night and realize that two segments are exactly the same. Which is the thrust of, like, every week when I talk about AEW, it's it turns into... Here's how this could have been done somewhat better. And if one person in the production meeting would have brought this up of maybe we don't do this segment after segment after segment and we space it out, the show is going to flow a little better. And you're going to have your 800,000 people. But if you're going to grow, you, you got to get a little better at pacing out a two hour show. Yeah, I really dug. Um, I really dug that uh, Shaq Jade Cargill promo video. Did we talk about that? Yeah, we have, we have, yeah. we have, we talked about that earlier on. Can we just, the one thing we didn't mention about the Shaq video. So we've never, we've never seen him wrestle once. Cause I thought that he was going to be in this montage wrestling, but if, I, I guess apparently he has been training with QT. That's what I heard from Meltzer. All right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. On promos. <laughs> now here's how Cody likes his car waxed. You want to do two coats. <laughs> All right. Next up we have Nyla Rose versus Britt Baker. I thought the wrong person won. I thought the match itself was pretty good. Uh, you know, uh, but I, I, I rather, I don't know why Britt Baker isn't like running this division because she can work and she can talk. So why aren't you just like keeping the title on her until you have some baby face that can take it off? It doesn't make any sense. Um, And finally, Lance Archer versus Ray Phoenix, which I thought was very good. What did you guys think of this match? match. I love this match. I thought it was, it was awesome. Um, All right. I'll be the, this was a great match that should not have existed in the context that it existed because 
Scorpio Sky, Penta, and Cody just get put in the match, but these guys have to fight for a spot. These guys have been wrestling on TV the past couple weeks, are prominent TV characters. The other three guys have not been really, even Cody hasn't. Scorpio and Penta haven't wrestled in a while, and they're just in the match. And then next week we have, was it Caster and 10? And why is Caster and not Bowen? This makes no sense. Also, so why are you doing that, a ladder match on a pay-per-view and not putting Phoenix in there? That, yeah, that to me also, feels like a huge Because Phoenix will die. Seriously. He's because he'll go nuts. Okay. Didn't he hurt himself in the last ladder match he was in, or he got taken out of it like right before because he hurt himself? It was strange booking just because I feel like you've been building Archer as this baby face and it's kind of been working and the audience is kind of getting behind him a little bit. And then he had that backstage pre-tape with, with Phoenix where they just start fighting for like Phoenix is a dick to him for no reason. He's like, I know we were partners. And he's just like, you were the worst partner I ever had. And then they start fighting around empty water bottles. And it was like, why do you guys not like each other just to set up this match when it could have just been a good sportsman match. They both go out there, have the same thing. And then Excalibur gave a better finish. He goes, oh, we have like a minute left of TV time. I guess if this doesn't, you know, uh, we don't have a finish, you know, I, maybe both guys or neither guy will be in the ladder match. Like that would have been perfect. It goes to a draw and they maybe both get in there. You get what you want instead. This. Yeah. I'm interested in what they're doing with the ladder match, though, because none of them are really high flyers. It's kind of big well, guys. I think, I think Phoenix will be in the match. They still have another week. I think they're going to put him in it. Also, they, a lot of them feel bigger than the TNT title. Like, this is the title that Joey Janela just challenged for. When no, I feel like, TNT title, man. I mean, what, it's Cody, Brody Lee, and who else? It was Brody, and then it's Darby, but Darby hasn't defended Darby. it pretty much. And now it's like, Darby's, I feel like... Darby's like a guy they trust. He is, but we've seen Phoenix More go after... Uh, we've seen Phoenix wrestle Omega... Archers should be up there in the main event scene. I just feel like there, there's younger guys that they could be plugging in here and save these other guys for, for more prominent spots down the road. Whatever. Fuck it. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> but uh, here's a fun drinking game you can play if you watch AEW. Every time uh, Jim Ross uh, brings up football, take a drink. He slid it in again this week with Lance Archer. He just brought up, oh, Lance Archer was a quarterback in college. The, the best even, is oh, sorry, go on. I'm sorry, what Mike? No, the best is when he does it, but then he doesn't know what to say about the other guy because he's like, Hey, I play football, and uh, Phoenix, uh, well, he's from Mexico, so he's a Mexican, like, right. <laughs> you know, you know, he's it's, unpredictable. It's halfway through it is when he realizes why Vince would constantly tell him, Shut the fuck up about football because once you finally get to say it, you have nowhere else to go from here. Oh, Jake Hager, he was an offensive lineman, and Brandon Cutler. He plays uh, board games. Yeah, well, it's also like <laughs> he's a dragon. The, if you're the only one in the conversation who cares about football, it is just a, a one way dead end conversation. You know, next up uh, is our February 24th, 2021 edition of NXT. Uh, we start out. Oh, Rob tweeted this week, by the way, <laughs> Um, it was a blast. I'm going to be tweeting raw on Monday and Scott's going to be smackdown, smackdown this tonight. Friday. So, so check us out. Um, Johnny Gargano faced Dexter Loomis. It was uh, a match that happened. Dexter Loomis won. 
What what else can I say about this guy? <laughs> he's kind of disappointing, right? I mean, it's it's just, I mean, he's just not that great in the ring, Dexter yeah, Loomis. Yeah. No, this you know? this sucked. This went on way too long. Uh, it's you can't cool get a that, good match with Johnny Gargano. What the and fuck? I think are you I, doing? I tweeted that during the during the show. I'm like, you know, they say Johnny Gargano can get a great match out of anybody. Dexter Loomis is going to prove him wrong. <laughs> like the whole story here is that Austin Theory was brainwashed, but this went on for like 20 minutes for no reason. It wasn't particularly good. And they just keep bringing up Stockholm syndrome, which this isn't how Stockholm syndrome works. That the guy's been, you know, brainwashed by a zombie um, versus how being kidnapped by a regular person. But it was, it was dumb and it went way too long and it exposed Dexter Loomis. Dexter Loomis is great when he just stands still and looks creepy. Don't let him wrestle. Do you see um, though? Uh, what's his name? Way Barrett had a nice line when he wasn't there. He's like, "Oh, I'm, oh, I'm stuck in Dexter Loomis's basement." And yes. I was like, "Oh, that's that's really funny." And I'm like, "That's the most charismatic Dexter Loomis is ever going to be." <laughs> like referenced by Wade Barrett in a voiceover Skype. Um, yeah, it was it was it was not worth talking about. Uh, next up, we have uh, we have a really great MSK package. I awesome. Man, that was amazing. Jesus Christ, these guys just these guys are going to be huge. I think they rule. I mean, both of them. Malcolm Biv Tower Rust whoops, excuse me, Tower Rust versus Leon Ruff. Anybody have anything to say about this? Yeah, his head does not match his body. Which who, who are we talking about? Tyler Rust. Tower Rust. It is really weird. Yes. Yeah, he's definitely got a he's definitely got a Brandon Cutler face. <laughs> he is 28 going on 70, and it's just weird. <laughs> like he's a young guy. I'm like, look at me, you know, he is the he's a he looks like a Marlboro cigarette come to life. Like he's just gnarled and gross. The greatest thing about this was Strickland uh or Isaiah Scott came out, just kicked Leon Ruff in the head, and we didn't have to watch the match, which makes him a baby face in my eyes. <laughs> I said, this was gonna be my mark out moment at first i just thought the uh, oh fuck <laughs> sorry because i know what? we talk about it later um way to break kayfabe yeah <laughs> can i just say that that moment was phenomenal the way that isaiah just kicked him yeah it was like fucking like he like leans all the way back that was one of the best like spots i've seen in a long time and now he recut it himself on Twitter and he posted it with the Grand Theft Auto wasted graphic right after with the music. It makes it even better. <laughs> uh, next up, folks, we have uh, we have uh, Cameron Grimes watching the classic video of the million dollar man. Well, let's get just through all, uh, Cameron. Grimes, everything Cameron Grimes. I'm sure we'll talk about Cameron Grimes later in the show. Wink. <laughs> he well, rules. Uh Garen Grimes, uh, I mean, this this entire uh, this entire this entire character, this entire new gimmick of Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes is already a great gimmick. And now this is like on steroids, you know, this hillbilly million dollar man. I love it. It's the only thing about him on steroids. Yeah, Shirai versus Zoe Stark was a match that happened. Um, Zoe Stark did not get the Cena treatment when Cena fought Kurt Angle because Zoe Stark is not John Cena. <laughs> She didn't um, even get the finish your promo treatment. No, they didn't. I mean, I thought, I mean, I thought EO Shirai, I mean, I thought again, it's like, he can't get a great match out of EO Shirai. It's like, what are you doing? Same, right. Same feeling. EO Shirai has great music. I'm trying to be positive, but yeah, that was about it. I was like, she has really great entrance music. And then the rest of this match was. 
Uh, Killian Dane and Drake Maverick versus the Grizzled Young Vest. There were just like a lot of matches on this happen. Uh, there's just a lot of matches on the show that just happened, you know? Um, and then the no DQ match, Santos Escobar versus Karrion Cross. And then was uh, Lee versus Casey Canizaro was great. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. We uh, Let's talk about that. Mike, you have anything to say about this match? I mean, I just got to give credit to the Wednesday show that has more than one women's match. Um, <laughs> I thought that this was, this was, you know, fun. I like this character. It's fucking weird. It's just, I, but I, I like Gaga bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I like the Gaga bullshit. And I still, I mean, if you're, I've said this for the past four weeks in a row, uh, please make this character turn out to be Bruce Pritchard. Just so, uh, he, well, I mean, he would have, obviously he would actually be fired and then have to go back to podcasting, but it would be a fun, fun reveal. Um, but, 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 then finally we've got, uh, this, uh, well, what do you guys, uh, have to say about the carrying cross Santos Escobar match? Anything? Really shorter. Right? But yeah, it's fine. I guess Karrion Cross is a babyface now, which he's fine as that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's like a cool heel anyway, so it's kind of an easy transition. Yeah, kind of off yeah, deals. I don't mind it. Yeah. And they need more baby faces on that. And they should probably just take him to the main roster soon anyway. I mean, what else can he do on the show? And finally, Adam Cole shed some crocodile tears. Takes out Finn Balor and to everyone's shock, takes out Roddy Strong. Strong at the very end of the show, gives him a low blow. After Roddy Strong, uh, miss, clotheslines Adam Cole. Uh, Adam Cole feigns uh, some sort of contrition, and then we get the nut shots and we go off air. I, I really like the ending. Um, Robert, what did you think of this? Robert, Robert had to live tweet this entire show. So I was just shouting into a void for two hours watching this. Um, I, I, I think I, I wrote it. it was like it was a two hour boring show that had five seconds of uh, excitement at the end when uh, Cole genuinely seemed like he was crying. He was emotional. He low broke. He blow. He low blowed Roderick Strong. And I think Dan, I texted this to you after. This is a great angle that deserves better performers. Cole was amazing. Roderick Strong terrible like brutal promo uh kyle o'reilly's promo before not very good it's it, i, I kind of feel like cole was justified in cutting some of the dead weight <laughs> they what? they really love their low blows it's funny because it's like it, like to do the wwe low blow your arm has to be on the guy's dick for like 10 seconds because not only <laughs> do they hit it but then they just hold it for a while it's pat patterson's <laughs> legacy <laughs> so what would you say mike would you say aew nxt or a loving night with your uh wife and your dog i'm gonna give this to well i i, I had that after the wrestling uh i'm gonna give this to um aew because of the the, the moxley stuff but they really gotta get smarter about who they have long matches with like Jake Hager just looked more like a star than Adam Page because his match was three minutes and Page's was 14. Yeah. 
I'm going to go with AEW. To, I mean, my wife's here. A loving night with my wife and my <laughs> all right, AEW. I'm going to go with AEW as well, uh, even though uh, I had NXT the last couple of weeks, but I thought AEW, there was, there was more stuff I popped for. Scott? Yeah, AEW, man. I love it uh, no matter what. <laughs> Dude, big show, even the, if they do uh, big the show and it's payroll. just sting it's just the same sting thing where he just comes out instead of snow it's just his diarrhea i don't care i'll cheer for it do you, do you think jake gets sad know. when he sees all that snow dropped <laughs> man they really uh they're like jake you are not wearing that bunny shirt two weeks in a row <laughs> To that Jake eats bunnies. That's like that was a one-time thing. That shit. Uh, <laughs> I made it myself. Uh, what, what would you say, Robert? NXT or AEW? So, so because I had to live tweet NXT, I had to forego a night with my family because I said, "Well, if you want to watch NXT, he says fuck no." Uh, <laughs> so I'm removing that from the equation. Uh, February 26, 2021. I am going on record. AEW Dynamite was by far the better show than NXT. This was a boring, nothing two hours of television that if I didn't have to live tweet it for the love of you, our listeners, uh, I would have just watched this on the DVR and not seen 11 Grubhub commercials. (laughs) Zach, what would you say? Yeah, it's AEW. This week. Notice how none of us said a loving night with our families. We made our choice. <laughs> Number seven, it's time <laughs> to check in with the Far East with Scott's New Japan Corner. I, also, I, just, I just want to quickly say, Dan, if we all had picked a loving night with our family, that would be the meanest thing we could say to Bret Hart. <laughs> all right enough of this i want to hear about what's going on with takahashi he, he's no longer the champion what's yeah, going on brother Scott? robert knows all about this shit dude he follows an account or two <laughs> uh yeah haramu takahashi the uh iwgp light heavyweight champion is injured he will be out for six months he relinquished the title um so Sunday, Sunday at Castle Attack, uh, El Desperado is going to fight El Fantasmo and Bushi in a three-way match for the Junior Heavyweight Championship. Um, also at that show, we're getting uh, a returning Naito from injury fighting Abushi for just the Intercontinental title. Uh, so that's interesting. They're, they are going to try to separate them. Maybe not. I don't know. Obviously depends on if uh, Abushi wins or not. What else we got? We got Okada versus Evil. Uh oh, might get some dick involved. All right. Uh, what else? Oh, you guys heard Here about Marty or Skrull? to go? Hey now. <laughs> you heard about Skrull? Uh, Skrull apparently. Skrull's back in New Japan. Might have taped something. Might have literally taped something uh, for New Japan, uh, which is a, a you know. Hopefully, it's not sex with an underage girl. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be weird, you know? So I guess we'll see where that goes with that. Ugh. Which that this, this is the thing, because this is why when I was critical all the time of AEW working with other companies, why WWE doesn't do it, is it sounds like Marty may be on the same show that Moxley is going to be on. And they're going to get a lot of criticism because they said in Japan, they don't care what Marty Scroll did. But in America, it's going to be a story that this guy is now getting an opportunity because of what allegedly theoretically happened. Dude, I don't think that people are going to make the I don't I don't think people are going to do that math of like I'm already starting to see it. It's already happened. I've already started to see where people are like all up in arms. Like 
New, the Japan doesn't care, but I think the concern is going to be for AEW that they may get snared into. No, this I don't think. No, that's what I was referring to. I don't think that a. I don't think that AEW an AEW wrestler being on that show is you know and doing something with him is going to get any heat. I, I just don't. Unless it's on their show, that's the only thing I mean, that's going to get. Also, guys, look, Marty Skrull. I mean, he's a huge. He was a huge part of the elite. If you were a fan. Before, you know, they started AEW a few years ago and you were a fan a few years leading up to that. Marty was, you know, interchangeably one of the guys. I mean, like he in merchandise, he was doing better than all of them for a moment. Villain Club shirts were the biggest fucking deal. His entrance entrance. ruled hard. Yep. Uh, I mean, everything on BET, he was like a highlight of BTE when they were at their peak of this is what the fuck. You know, the know. whole he's, reason he's AEW definitely exists. a big star. I, I don't is, disagree. And yeah, I'm looking no, forward to New Japan booking Marty Scroll against Pharaoh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but I guess I guess what I'm what I'm saying is he has so much ties with AEW uh, that the fact that it hasn't happened already, I don't think it's happening. I think they kind of washed their hands of this fucking guy. I mean, he's yeah, literally, I, I he's part of the, I don't think enough people watch the show. I think those the, final t-shirts before AEW came out, you know, where it was the elite and then hangman had a horse and Kenny had a cat and it was, you know, Marty had, had his shirt. And yeah, one of the, one of like the, the, the guys that made AEW happen in terms of fandom and he has not done anything with them. So I think, I think they're done with him, dude. I bet you they don't even talk to him personally. Some of them. Number eight. Uh, what? Why? How is a Reginald? Guys, we, we've <laughs> skipped over this. We talked a little bit about the Patreon. What the fuck is this character? And I want to go uh, for before in, in, in defense of Reginald. I have no problem with Reginald. I actually think whatever this ca- I, I don't dislike it, but I just don't want it to be in the main event. It's like when Umaga fought Cena uh, and you're like, wow, this is awesome, but Umaga's manager, I mean, like um, Hector Armando Estrada just was like, why is Ricky Ricardo here in what should be a blood feud? It didn't make any sense to me. So that that's my only problem with Reginald being the, you know, the, the linchpin of the Bianca, you know, Carmella Sasha thing where it's like, it's like, you just, you just, you know, this should be Bianca's moment. You should be making Bianca. It shouldn't be some weird side character. You know, like he just reminds me of like Sebastian from the Little Mermaid, even though he's from Baltimore. Like, I feel like he's like the magical thing that appeared to live Morgan that caused her to fall in love with Bo Dallas. Like he has that vibe. But I don't know. Am I what's even worse is what's even worse is, you know, Vince was like, OK, we broke up the new day. What do we do with him? No, Vince Vince met Reginald. He's like, tell me about yourself. He says, I'm Somali. Oh, you're a sommelier. Great. That's your character on television now. Now you're a wine expert. And he doesn't want to correct him. So every week he's just Googling the names of wines, just desperately hoping. I mean, you know, like it's. I like the throwback aspect of just this random character. Because, <laughs> like, like I was to say, out. Mike, I, I, when, I, when I put this on the 10 can, I'm like, I bet Mike doesn't hate this. <laughs> I, I bet mean, Mike. Do- 
Well, Carmella's not great on her own, and, and she never really has been, so why not give her a guy named Reginald? What can hurt? <laughs> it's just such a funny name. For, it's just an old man name for Somalia. Yeah. It's the weirdest. Yeah, I mean, it's... I just feel like... What I, what I, lo- what I always love about wrestling is that even the non-wrestling characters are played by wrestlers, so everyone is just ripped in the wrestling universe. Yeah. So even though he's just this wine guy, he still has this jacked fucking body. <laughs> yeah, he still can do all these amazing flips. There's some heavy bottles he's carrying around. <laughs> Joining us for number nine and ten, he is the creator of the greatest wrestling documentary TV show in history, Evan Husney, creator of Dark Side of the Ring. Evan, thank you for coming on. Whoa, what an intro. Thanks, man. I mean, there it's like you and two other people. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> wow, well, but it is. You, it's a phenomenal, it's a phenomenal show. I appreciate that, man. A lot. And I can't wait. We cannot wait for the third season. It's gonna be we're just, collision in Korea is gonna be this season. So collision in Korea. Yep. How many, I think you guys are gonna like wrestlers, that. How many pro wrestlers have you had to teach how to use Zoom? in the past year. <laughs> well we haven't done any of the interviews uh zoom style it's all been we've traveled the country i've been around the country twice we've done it all in like an rv put eleven thousand miles on the rv we're going yeah we're we're, we're out there I, that's awesome, you feel man. thankful that you covered a sport where no one believes that COVID exists <laughs> <laughs> oh man <laughs> There's definitely plenty of stories uh, about that for sure. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have a dark side of the dark side of the ring, which is just around all these wrestlers who don't believe in social distancing. We lost four key grips that season. You could I'll wear a mask in Madison that. Square Garden, but I ain't wearing one to fucking Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking great. All right. Well, before we get into number nine and 10, very sad news uh, this week. Uh, Joseph Hudson has passed away. Uh, You may know him as the question mark on NWA power. He also was uh, Josephus and uh, uh, a few other gimmicks there. But but another place you could have seen him is in, in the Bruiser Brody episode of Dark Side of the Ring. And he was fantastic as Bruiser Brody. I did not know that that was that was him. But out of I think out of all the people I've seen reenact wrestlers in those two seasons, he's the best. And I'm not just saying that, you know, because of the passing, he, he was really great. Yeah. I mean, it, it was our very first episode. Um, I remember like when we were just coming up with the idea for this show, like back when it was probably just going to be about bruiser. I mean, we just thought we were going to make a bruiser Brody documentary. We didn't think this would turn into a whole show. Um, and we were, we knew with that story, we needed to like, try to see if like re- like reenactments could be a thing because we needed coverage of what took place in that locker room and in Puerto Rico and all that stuff. And so um, I, I remember the first wrestler I ever reached out to it was for this show was Dutch Mantel and talked to him and got him on board. And then um, he was basically telling oh, me man, he like, was so great as the uh, voiceover for the first, is he coming back oh, for the yeah. third season? I know Jericho did the second season. No, Jericho is uh, is is back for season three. It, it, it oh, was, he was great. It kind of, he was. It was kind of an unfortunate thing because um, you know we love working with Dutch too. It was amazing. Um, but our show actually became Canadian from season two into season three. So we had to we had to hire a Canadian for the for the for the voiceover. Narrative. Wow, that's oh, that's that's right. That's a union rule there. It's just um, like a tax thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so 
you know. Um, but yeah, we we just yeah. Anyway, so 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 Dutch. Uh, sorry, there's a siren outside my door here. I'm in New York. Scott Steiner but... just arrived. He wants to be on season three. <laughs> Dude, speaking he turned of us Steiners... down. He turned us down for season three. So is he busy with Shonies? Yeah, probably. I think, I think that's Ice chasing after Chris Jericho. <laughs> Scott, oh my god scott steiner is uh has the it's still his math promo i still watch like every time i'm gonna watch something else with scott steiner i just end up watching the math promo it's yeah, that i remember good. um i would and evan i think you were there at uh at starcast uh during ron funch's show and they showed the uh math promo and i was sitting next to the matthew from uh botchamania and he quoted it the way that nerds quote Star Wars. Like he was like in like almost in tears, freaking out. And he knew every single word of that promo. It was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. It was it was awesome. Oh man, th- those were such great times. Like when all of us were able to be together at those star casts and do all that. Oh, stuff I can't and- wait. The next I can't wait. You know, I'm hoping Conrad has one more in him. So uh yeah. So, um, but how did you meet? How, how did you meet and uh, hire Josephus for the uh, for the the show? Yeah, so we we knew we needed someone to play Bruiser Brody, and um, we didn't. We were like kind of terrified by the idea of doing reenactments because, like, you know, uh, trying to create these iconic people in the show is a daunting task. But Dutch Mantel told us all about Josephus because I think Dutch kind of managed him at one point, did a few shows with him. And then we saw this picture of him like in the full Brody gimmick and we're like, oh, my God. And it gave us like all this confidence that we could we could actually maybe do this. So it was it was really amazing because we actually met him in Nashville when we were filming with Dutch for the for the show. And we had a ring set up there and it was in the like Nashville Armory or something like that. And we show up there and it's the first time I've ever seen a ring before. Like or or like I've been like in, you know, where I can actually go inside of one. So I'm inside this ring. Of course, I'm just like talking about total fucking Mark. Like I'm just like bouncing around the ropes, like, you know, just so ready to be slammed and jumping off this thing, you know, and um, Dutch is like, all right, Josephus, slam him. And he just turns and goes over and Josephus just picks me up and just fucking slams me on that mat. And it was like (laughs) the I can't believe what that felt like like you know you always hear that story of like well if these guys really knew or i would feel dude this was cr- I, it, it recontextualized every bump i've ever watched in my entire life all the mick foley shit everything was like oh my god these guys do this i couldn't believe it i, I just swear feels like cement it felt like yeah just no give just like just like being slammed on like wood on the floor it was crazy Unbelievable. and um uh, and so then Jason got in there, you know, who makes the show with me, Jason Eisner. And he started to like have this full match with Josephus, just like goofing around. And that night after we shot that day, like Jason was like back in the hotel room and he was so fucked up. Like he had all of these like bruises on his back from hitting the ropes. And like, he was like out cold snoring and it was, it was crazy. That shit's no, no joke. But, yeah. jo- but Josephus was amazing. Like, um, and then, of course, we brought him to Toronto when we shot the reenactments and he was so cool and he came up and um, yeah, it's just like when we got to really spend time with him and just realized that he was like a total like we love the same shit, like not only just wrestling, 
but like we we're huge metalheads and like he loved obscure metal you know records and like uh so did i and like obscure sci-fi books and like we loved this we had like the same taste in like books metal and weird vhs movies it was weird and we just totally like synergize on that and um you know and that was back when we didn't really have much money to do the show mm-hmm. and uh you know he had to crash on our couch you know while we were filming this <laughs> so that was kind of cool to have that experience but yeah man and he just fully embodied it and, and played that role with such respect and care and just loved bruiser brody and felt so honored to do it and yeah he's one of the early people that really believed in what we were doing so i mean yeah just a great great fucking guy yeah, man, it's uh, way too, way too young, way too young. Holy shit. Way too young. Do you ever do you ever have wrestlers now that like ask to play certain characters? Are you at the point in the show like, hey, man, if you ever do a Buff Bagwell episode, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from time to time. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, we do, you know, we do source a lot of wrestlers from the Ontario area or Canada. Like even for the Abdul the Butcher role for that same episode, there was one guy who worked like an Abby gimmick and we were lucky enough to find him and bring him in. But yeah, I mean, you know, obviously with this year with COVID, it's been harder to bring people obviously across the, you know, in and into Canada. But um, normally I think if things weren't the way they were, we probably would have done a lot more of that. All right. Well, let's get to the time. When does it come out again? Evan, new season. Season three, the date has not been announced officially yet, but it's definitely this year and slash soon. So you, you'll awesome. probably start hearing stuff about it. Yeah. Soon. Well, come back when, uh, you know, it premieres. Let's get to number nine. What was your mark out moment of the week, Evan? If you had one, something you saw in wrestling this week or something from oh something gosh. in the past we should check out. Well, I mean, for me, it's like I've been watching a lot of like having to watch a lot of our show because obviously we're finishing episodes. And so mostly the wrestling I've been watching, has been the wrestling that's in our show. Yeah. Um, Oh, my gosh. I mean, you know, we have to watch these episodes 30 or 40 times. But the, uh, you know, so I've been seeing a lot of Collision in Korea lately, (laughs) (laughs) which is amazing. I don't know if you guys have ever watched it. I've never Um, seen it. Uh, How do you it, watch it? Is is there a way, or you can't tell us? Or at gunpoint, <laughs> that's, that's how they watched it. <laughs> um, there is uh, well, WCW like packaged it. I don't know. I, I doubt it's on the network. Uh, but uh, they, I mean, we we cleaned it up for WWE twenty four seven. So I know we've used at least matches from it because I've watched the uh, original Digibate or the it was a beta at that point from the amazing. library because I know we've pulled some footage from it. I don't know if they ever cleaned up the whole episode but uh i know it exists in the archive and it may be on the network now before peacock realizes they're going to get uh you know nuked for having it up there (laughs) (laughs) which is like so watching collision in korea has been so interesting because we've also gotten all this footage i I, I, don't quote me but i think it's from cnn because there were media outlets who were there but they weren't allowed to film the actual matches so they just filmed everything else, which is amazing. So they are filming all the crowd reactions. And it's incredible to see. This is like alien. This is like this is like wrestling in North Korea is totally alien. It's like two different alien civilizations trying to interact with each other in terms of the, the audience not understanding at all what they're watching. So there's no reaction. So it's almost like watching COVID wrestling in a way, like with no or audience. Saudi Arabia show. Yeah. yeah. Or Baron Corbin. <laughs> <laughs> It's literally, I mean, because would you say like it's comparable to the Saudi Arabia shows where like, no, it's different. It's totally different. Like, because, you know, like 
I, I feel like there is reaction. I feel like there's like the Saturday wrestling shows people got paid, dude. <laughs> <laughs> paid, paid. No, there's just confusion on their faces that you can see, you know, like total puzzlement. And uh, except for when Anoki gets out there, because Anoki has a connection to North Korea because his master, Ricky Dozen, was North Korean. And so and I think he might have done some PR in North Korea, like to hype up his match with Flair. So they only pop for Anoki when he shows up. And it's kind of amazing to start seeing them, you know, like in North Korea, like understand wrestling by that point in the show. But up to that, it's just totally surreal. It's like a dream. And that's how we approach the episode is like it's like a wrestling nightmare dream. My 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 um, my mark out moment of the week. Uh, very very different from that you know my, my market moment it's kind of a shot at mike lawrence for a, a little bit so my my mark out moment of the week is from the wrestle feed app it is a quote about our champion drew mcintyre whose reign was ended this past sunday at the elimination tr- chamber drew mcintyre carried wwe through the performance center era he gave all he had in doing that one of the best baby face champions in a long time drew mcintyre became one of the best wwe champions in a pandemic put some respect on his name that is directed at you mike lawrence put some respect on drew mcintyre's name the next time you talk about him you stole my gimmick he really did sounds like something you wrote and mailed along with anthrax (laughs) (laughs) along with anthrax (laughs) you know know, it's actually just like baking flour but he thought was anthrax (laughs) this this anthrax goes good on cookies yeah exactly (laughs) um that's my mark out of moment of the week is drew mcintyre's entire title reign Thank you, Drew. <laughs> that was such like the markiest shit, man. God bless you for that vulnerable moment. If, if anyone was going to help steer the ship downward with the ratings on Raw, it's Drew. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, true, what do you have for Thank Mar- you for your service. Mike, I'm gonna Mar- go. I'm gonna go with um, the the Cameron Grimes, Ted DiBiase skits last night. <laughs> But also, you know, <laughs> because it is wrestling, we have to we have to uh, give a shout out to this moment in awkward black history because they show what is what what they did was they showed um, Sasha Banks quoting Rosa Parks in a very solemn black history commercial. Then they cut to Cameron Grimes watching an iPad that has Ted DiBiase with Virgil kicking a basketball away from a young African-American child. <laughs> hey, look, what a, uh, yeah, there's nothing I could say. But, but, the, but the Cameron Grimes, like the, the recurring thing throughout the night of him, like trying to be smarter than Ted DiBiase, but not watching the whole video was really funny. I mean, that, that character is the, the, the best character in that show by far. And uh, that was yeah, a great moment. And I'm like, anything else, it paid, they paid it off over the course of the episode. And the the great running joke of it was everybody he approaches is like, oh, like the Ted DiBiase thing, (laughs) like in mall rats with like the back of a Volkswagen joke. And they just kept doing it. And he sold it so well. I I mean, obviously, every week, Cameron Grimes is the greatest thing on television. It's not much. I mean, they really should do uh, because they're calling him Hillbilly DiBiase. And that would be a great shirt. I'd buy that shirt in a second. Dirty DiBiase. Dirty DiBiase. That's great. That would be a great nickname. Scott, what's your uh, Mark App moment of the week? 
Okay, so uh, this morning, uh, Jeff Cobb and Will Ospreay were in a tag team match. <laughs> and uh, man, they're just so good with each other. And I was freaking out about it and fantasy booking in my head. And I got to check it out. Just thinking about how good Osprey. I mean, dude, they got double team moves that just work, man. They're awesome. And yeah. I can't dude, wait. No one cares about what's happening in Japan. So, Evan, uh, <laughs> continue to talk about Korea again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't wait, Scott. I'm excited about it. I'm excited about all your mark out moments, Robert. Um, mine was the Kevin Owens video that he shot sitting in his car where, and this is, this is being genuine. So it feels weird for me as per usual, but he decided to take a moment to, he talks about when he was in the elimination chamber and he looked up and realized how big the structure is and how hard it was to put together and how complex the Thunderdome is. And he took a moment just to thank all of the WWE production people and, and having been in that world and having been back there and work with these people it's a completely thankless job. There's no credits when you're a producer. There's no credits when you're a writer. When you're working there, building the ring, building the set, building the Thunderdome, it is a grueling, thankless job. And for Kevin Owens to do that for no reason whatsoever, just to take a moment and just say, hey, I want to thank you all. We really do appreciate it was something I never heard my entire tenure there. And I thought that was really classy and, and really great on Kevin Owens' part. Evan, if you can't tell, Robert was traumatized. <laughs> WWE just wants a thank you he wrote there and he still has PTSD from it you know that he looked at the TV and went you're welcome Kevin you're welcome when were you there when 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 were you there I was there 0506 so the hottest time in the history of wrestling the Heidenreich era (laughs) the The Heidenreich Legion of Doom era um well if it makes you feel any better you worked at WWE and never got a thank you and I worked at a slaughterhouse and never got a thank you (laughs) most of us aren't getting thank you that's just jobs (laughs) (laughs) that's just jobs you you can talk to robert about his time at wwe and you will cry more than every von eric visit you had (laughs) (laughs) all right number 10 (laughs) number 10 uh the saddest moment this is a fun one i I, it's a it's a question i volleyed at y'all last week and I, i i asked evan before he came on but what is the saddest moment you've had personally as a fan and i'm not talking about you know, when you saw um, uh, Bruno San Martino lose the title or, or something like that. <laughs> How or old like, do you, you know, think we are? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not using that. But I'm just saying, like, what, what's this? And uh, I guess I should start out first, right? Wait, is it saddest up. or most embarrassing? Most embarrassing. Sorry, not saddest. Most embarrassing. Okay. Uh, They're interchangeable for Dan. Yeah. For <laughs> right. Saddest, saddest, is, saddest is the people in North Korea. Embarrassing is decisions you made throughout your life which would be me uh so this is the most embarrassing i'm really hesitant to tell especially this group this oh but i emailed this is, this is from a guy who texts us every week raw was pretty good huh <laughs> so get ready oh mike's gonna kill me for this i emailed dave Meltzer's assistant six months ago and asked if i could vote for the observer awards and what qualified and then I sent another follow-up email saying, what if I was hosting a successful wrestling podcast? And they still said no. <laughs> was it an email? Or did he send you a typewriter written note? <laughs> it was in an on, email. On loose leaf paper. 
was so pathetic. It was so pathetic. It was like during the thick of quarantine when I wanted to, you know, I don't know, man. I don't have an excuse. Dude, I'm amazed he has an assistant. I mean, yeah, I was I mean, just going to say, H- have you not met Brian H-S Alvarez? Mel- <laughs> 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 it could be Meltzer. It could be something really funny about um, Dark Side of the Ring and Meltzer is uh, Meltzer. Like you can tell he's way more excited by this season coming up. And I think it's because he's in it. <laughs> you know, like, I think it's like, cause literally last season he like, he was like, yeah, it's good. But like, you could tell he was like kind of pissed. Uh, but no, this season, the melt is back, baby. And you're already seeing a push at the observer, Husney. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, I mean, he's, uh, he's great in it. Uh, you know, do you, so vote? Do you get, do you vote for the awards? I, I, I do. I'm the first wave. No, I'm just kidding. I don't vote. <laughs> More importantly, Evan, what was it like having small talk with Dave in between filming? Because I've had that before and it's an interesting experience. I actually dig it. I actually dig it. Um, we we uh, it, it's it's, you know, because sometimes we'll tell them, you know, what's whatever bizarre wrestling mystery we're on to. And, you know, I don't know. I, I, I kind of like, you know, uh, nerding out with Dave. Um, what was it but, like for uh, you, Robert? And what's your most embarrassed? What's your most embarrassing yeah, moment you? as a fan? Uh, talking to Melch? No, um, <laughs> it was. We were at Wale Mania, and, and I was sitting there. It was just my wife and I and Meltzer. So I'm talking to him for a little bit, and my wife tried to engage with him, not knowing who he is, like he's a normal person, and he just withdrew like a snail into a shell. And she was like looking at me, I'm like you have to kind of treat him like with kid gloves a little bit, unless you're talking <laughs> about wrestling, you're not getting any response out of him. Um, <laughs> Embarrassing. So I have, I have two. One okay. of them is embarrassing in hindsight, but at the time was a huge gamble that paid off when I was in high school. Um, I realized I wanted to pad my resume for college. So I wanted to run for student government and for senior year. And they, they had us do our speeches in front of the entire senior class on stage. And I ripped off every wrestling promo I could think of. And it killed at the time. And now, 20 <laughs> years later, I realized I stood in front of my high school class quoting the road dog, Chris Jericho, Kurt Angle and The Rock. And the fact that I didn't get my ass kicked has given me false confidence for the rest of my life. <laughs> uh, the other embarrassing moment was uh, I may have told this on the Patreon real quick. When I was working at WWE, it was a Thursday night and I turned on the TV to put on SmackDown and someone walked by me and they go, what the fuck are you doing? It's like, I'm, it's Thursday. I'm, I'm putting on SmackDown. It's like, don't let anybody ever know that you watch the product ever. And it was at that moment I realized, like, That's this is going to be interesting. That's a good one. I, Dan, Dan, I, uh, I did not forget your your moment because um, I have a follow up question. <laughs> yes, uh, which is. What was the reason you really wanted to be on the voting committee? Is there like some injustice? Yeah. Are you are you upset that like Hornswoggle <laughs> isn't in there or something? <laughs> no, I just, you know, I just want to be part of, you know. He believes in democracy, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love know, it. Man. I want to be, Dan's you know, like, like, I, I've, I've given up on being the Hollywood elite. I want to be part of the wrestling intelligentsia elite. Wasn't yeah. there like a like a uh, like scandal with the voting or something or people were up in arms about something last yeah, time they, or they stormed the Capitol. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, there are definitely some they stormed Meltzer's. They stormed his office. Hey, man, that's yeah. what you get for not putting sting on there. <laughs> no, but I thought I saw something like where people were all Hamilton room where it happens moment. 
but like like your Aaron Burr and Dave Meltzer well, is your Hamilton. <laughs> I think. Well, did Kenny get on this year? Or was that well, he got in the Hall of Fame and people were people were pushing oh, back on yeah, that that's because they that's thought he was, was too. It was too early for him to get on the into the Hall right. of Fame. But. He paid the entry fee. He's allowed to get in. <laughs> <laughs> Two eight by tens. I Mike, need you to well, sign it for me and my son, who's also named Dave Meltzer. Mike, what's the most <laughs> embarrassing moment that you've had as a fan? Well, yeah, I'll, I'll do I'll do the, the two quick. Uh, so the one was I used to have two TVs at my dad's place, and I would watch Raw while playing uh, the matches I was watching on SmackDown. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty sad. That sounds yeah. fun, that sounds, dude. That sounds good, fun, yeah, man. dude. All that right, sounds right. like let's hang out soon. Yeah, I might okay. do that tonight during SmackDown. Yeah, but this was like when Robert was writing on WWE. Like, uh, it still sounds is, fun. But this also, is, I was naked and trying to suck my own penis the whole time. <laughs> yeah. I actually have another story kind of like that. And, Michael uh, Poffo Lawrence. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. Um, and then the, the uh, second was... Uh, Love Lanny. I was backstage at a show. I, I opened for AI and uh, CM Punk was backstage with AJ Lee. And I knew the second I told him I was a big fan, he would not respect me anymore. But I couldn't let him leave without him knowing that I was a big fan. Because we were talking for like 10 minutes and about comic books and different stuff. And then I was like, I just got to say, man, you're one of my favorite wrestlers ever. And he just goes, oh, thanks. Mm. <laughs> I knew I knew it would like, because I've had the same thing happen with Jericho. I, I worked on a thing with Jericho. It's when wrestlers are in a place where they're not wrestling, they mm -hmm. don't want to be near any wrestling fans. <laughs> they really don't. You got to treat Punk like a cute girl. You had to neg him. You had to be like, hey, I I've seen your <laughs> career. You really could have done better. Uh, would have killed you to have abs? Would have killed you to have abs? Hit the gym, kid. Set. He saw my set. I still don't know what he thinks of it, but I think about it at least once a month, whether or not CM Punk <laughs> thinks I'm funny. You know, I've I've always hated Anthony Kiedis because he talked through my set, which is just a thought that I just oh, had. Not, nothing to do with it. Yeah, it was really good. talk where you just like on stage and you just heard, hip -a -bay, hip -a -bay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's not f -f 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 funny. Uh, <laughs> uh, I gotta say, he's got issues with his mama. I gotta <laughs> say, he's got issues with his papa. <laughs> All right, well, here's another thing that I did. I, mean, I don't know if this is Barris wrestling, but I, uh, I, I did like an eight ball of cocaine and then I read like the WWE magazine for like five hours straight while trying to jerk off, but like not jerking off the WWE magazine, jerking off to the porn that was on. Uh, but I, I was also trying to read about Triple H's comeback. Apparently Triple H's favorite movie is, uh, I mean, favorite TV shows, Grey's Anatomy, something I learned <laughs> that day. Uh, anyway, I've been sober for a while. <laughs> yeah, there's also all those times Dan was blackout and told you know people he was the jake the snake roberts of comedy that he's talking about <laughs> uh all right scott oh it's you know what it has to be dan when we when we hired quotation mark missy hyatt for an open mic that has to be you and you and my saddest moment get evan would you like to hear the story yeah please might be so a we did episode. a show we did like a comedy like lethal lottery thing where two comics would be put like a battle bowl thing so and we had we asked missy hyatt if she would do it and 
she says yes to everything, uh, not just 90s wrestlers in their locker rooms. And so she shows up and it was so weird. She like, like co-hosted the whole open mic. And then like, we told her like, Hey, we don't have any money. We're sorry. But like that weird moment at the end, like, thanks for your time. (laughs) Oh my God. What did her pimp say? (laughs) <laughs> oh my god Scott, Scott. <laughs> she's very nice she's very nice she's very nice Robert. <laughs> I gotta collect myself Scott what is your most embarrassing moment as a fan uh I got John Cena's autograph when I was in the 8th grade and as I was walking away uh, I think it was like on a Saturday. And then as I was walking away, I said, I'll see you Monday. And he said, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I'll see you Monday. And he goes, what What are you talking about? And I said, oh, because I watch Raw. And he goes, oh, yeah. All right, man. <laughs> that is the worst one. I that crushed my spirit. And then you guys remember we were at StarCast and we're fucking hanging out backstage feeling like big dogs, right? With Hangman Adam Page and stuff. And Omega was in the corner signing uh, like Funko Pops or something. And some guy was talking to him and then got a picture. So, you know, everyone was like, hey, I think uh, James Mattern uh, comic, he was with us too. And he was like, go talk to Omega, get a picture with him. And uh, I walked up to him and he was just immediately turned off i didn't really know why uh i told him you know i thought he was great i asked if i could have a photo and he said he was busy that he had to sign the funko pops and then i said okay and walked away and looked down and realized i was wearing a kenny omega shirt I was with you for this. I I can confirm the story, and I can confirm the 30 minutes before of Scott just being like, can I? (laughs) (laughs) Just like slinking back to me and going, I did. Like Scott going over there was the moment when they were like, can we get security? (laughs) Oh, dude. Yeah, crazy. Dude, but I actually felt worse for uh, Brutus Beefcake that night. I mean, nobody spoke to that guy. That was rough, dude. I was like, try- I was trying to hang out with him just to make him feel good. Dude, I didn't make I- eye contact when I was roasting him on stage. That was <laughs> I won't, I won't un- say- That was really good. This I won't. I, I won't say. One. I won't say who Bruce said this about. Bruce Pritchard said that about. But we were in the uh, auditorium, and there was a guy. Nobody was coming up to him, and I'm like, oh, I feel bad for him. And he's like, Why? He's like, I don't know, because nobody's going up to him. He goes, Fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> Why is she so That's mean to Conrad? <laughs> I, Evan, we've totally forgot to ask, uh, what's your saddest moment as a wrestling fan? What is it? Oh, man. Well, it's it's kind of a mixture of, of, of being, you know, a sad and a good moment at the same time, but also making a little bit of a fool of myself as a young fan. But um, so I had this opportunity to meet Steve Austin when I was 11. Uh, my dad was able to <laughs> hook it up. You guys remember Stone Cold Metal? Have you guys ever had that CD? Yes, I remember that. Yeah, so he had the Stone Cold Metal CD out. My dad was involved in the music business, you know, around at the time. And so he got a chance for me to meet him. So I was decked out in full Stone Cold Steve Austin gear. This is like probably 1998. 
And um, I go up to him and I'm so nervous. I get my poster signed and I'm like, oh my God, petrified. But I knew I le- like had to leave an impression. Like I had to like, you know, ha- you know, just like you were saying with like CM Punk, <laughs> like I had to like, you know, let him know what I thought and tried to connect with him in some other way. And so I went up to him and just was like, hey, so my friends are wondering, like, what do you uh, what do you think of Bill Goldberg? And my dad was actually rolling on this. I actually have footage of this that I'm going to we're going to put out soon. But he responded just being like, yeah, I think he's copying me. And, you know, he's doing a pretty good job of it. But, you know, he's got to make a living, too. And he did, did a really good job of, like, you know, talking to a kid in that way um and then like i was just like my mind was blown like that you know because you never heard wcw and wwf like talk about each other like in that way but here it was right and so then i like walked away and i like left my poster behind and they had to like track me down like give me the poster that he signed and then flash forward to like five or six years ago i was on a flight from i think it was from new york to la and all of a sudden as i'm walking down like the tarmac thing or whatever I start hearing Steve's voice and I'm like, holy shit, he's going to be on this fucking plane. And he was, and he was like in first class. And I was like, oh my God. And the whole time I was thinking about like, I need to tell him that like I met him at one point when I was a kid and, you know, and I was like, so like just caught up in the like moment of this. So I sit down in my seat and I actually made the flight attendant. This is like sad that this is like five or six years ago. I made the flight attendant like pass him a note that like i because i really wanted what a what a scary thing to get if you're on a flight there's a note from a guy in the back who says he really likes you yeah exactly and it was like handwritten on like a flight attendant nap like on like a on like a napkin you know like an airplane (laughs) and it was just like such like serial killer behavior but that was the plane ride from hell for him it was it'd be amazing if he sent the letter back and there were different what's written in the letter (laughs) (laughs) hi what my name is what (laughs) evan is this why you have to travel around the country in a winnebago are you on like a no-fly list yeah pretty much pretty much but he he uh he was like, and then after, uh, after that, I got the flight. And of course I'm like, you know, I, cause I, I, I really wanted that side-by-side photo. That was the whole reason, like the, you know, social media narcissism. Like I wanted the, like me and him as when I was 11 and me and him now. And, uh, and yeah, it, it was a total botchamania. <laughs> He's on the season though, right? He's in season three. Yes, he is. He's on season three. And so I had a chance officially to write that wrong. And uh, I did film a little piece with him about the Goldberg thing. And it was really amazing because I'm sure like when I told him I was a fan, he was kind of like, oh, you know, but he he did comment on that experience and was glad that he had something positive, semi-positive to say about Goldberg. But it was cool. It's this cool little thing, this piece we're going to put out of like coming full circle, which is which is really weird. You know, that is like the weirdest part of making the show. Let's get to the plugs. Uh, Evan, uh, you're going to be back with Dark Side here, but Dark Side of the Ring season two, you can get on demand somewhere, I'm guessing. Where? Yeah, yeah. It's on the iTunes and the uh, Amazon and the Hulu and all that stuff. Great, great. Um, and uh, Mr. Carpolis, what do you have to promote this week, sir? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at WWCreative underscore ISH and uh Happy Purim to all my Jewish friends. I found out mm. that's uh, it's Purim now, and I'm a terrible Jew for not knowing that until 20 minutes before we went on. Mr. Michael Lawrence. Um, I will be outside with Scott at a Jacksonville hotel room waiting for Kenny to uh, leave. <laughs> uh, 
That's amazing. Um, yeah, uh, Mike Lawrence uh, comedy um, on Instagram, and that's also my website. Yeah, buy my album. Um, Scotty, uh, listen to my other podcast, Garbage Days, with Brendan Sagalo, uh, and then follow me at Scott underscore Chaplin. Um, I am at dancehjermain.net. That's all my videos. You can get my albums there. But most importantly, please subscribe to the podcast. Tell people about it. Leave a review, a positive review, a five-star review. Uh, for this week's Patreon, Patreon, pretty uh, pretty simple. It's just going to be uh, me and Robert and uh, whoever else can make it. Uh, make it, and I believe Scott, Box, <laughs> uh, Scott can make it. Uh, talking about SmackDown, so we're just going to be reviewing this Friday and other wrestling shit. Yes, well this 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 Saturday though is just SmackDown. We well, never yeah, but Smackdown also I love. Mean, no, 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 Patreon. We're also talking Moxley, Moxley, uh, Kenta. Okay, yeah, let's talk Moxley, Kenta. And- Fine, we, we will. But frankly, <laughs> what happens is by the Fine. time we record this show, SmackDown <laughs> is like a week old, and it's the best wrestling show the last several weeks, and we kind of want to give it a little love, which means this week's episode is going to be absolute dog shit. Like, we're going to curse <laughs> it, and it's going to be terrible. It's going to be a 20-minute Otis promo. <laughs> hey, man. Depending I, on how I that did goes. It. Depending on how that goes. They could give him like a Jacob Goodnight character if no one's seen the underrated criterion masterpiece see no evil um and next week we have uh, we're roasting the big show so tune in next week guys have a good one